When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by allowing your inherent goodness to take the lead? And not because you're a bad person, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to Be a Better Person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you keep growing. Hey there, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate Hanley, your host and the author of the book, How to Be a Better Person, which is a great companion to this podcast and makes a wonderful New Year's gift for yourself or for someone you love. This week on the show, I'm talking about midlife and the opportunities it brings to change things up, whether that's in little ways, like taking things less personally, maybe, or in big ways, like maybe a full-on reinvention, new job, new career, new something else. It's the second option that I'm talking about today with Megan Francis, host of the podcast Mother of Reinvention and no stranger to pivots herself. Megan also co-hosts one of the OG podcasts for moms, The Mom Hour, and is the founder of the podcast network Life Listened. Megan is also the author of many books, and full disclosure, Megan and I know each other from way back when we were both freelance writers trying to make it big in the magazines. Just a little heads up, today's show is pretty geared to those among us who are parents, particularly mothers, but I believe that our conversation about identity shifts and making changes will relate to anyone. Megan, it's so great to have you here today. Welcome. Oh my gosh, Kate, I'm so excited to be with you. Yeah, this is cool. You're like my um, my podcasting idol, so this is like a full circle moment. Oh, single tear. Single tier. I love it. And I interviewed for you for my podcast many years back. I'm going to say like nine years ago or something. I don't even know if you remember that. Uh, it was so long ago, but we have been around the block together a few times. Did, did either of us ever find fame in magazine writing? I want to know. Marginal fame? Marginal Maybe fame. among <laughs> subscribers of particular magazines. Among a very small set of people. Yes, I agree. Marginal <laughs> fame. Sometimes that's all you that's all you can get, right? That's what you gotta hope for. That's right. Hey man, I'll take those bragging rights. I was marginally famous twenty years ago, <laughs> or however long ago that was. So today we're talking about reinventing yourself at midlife, but you've reinvented yourself multiple times already. And I think you're, you know, kind of, I think you're a little bit younger than I am. So sort of like a little new to the midlife party. I don't know. Mm, yes. <laughs> Can you give us the highlights real of the transitions reel? you've made thus far? Yes. Oh the, my like, gosh. The, well, yeah. yes, I, I have always been a little precocious. So I started my freelance writing career in my early 20s. And I already had three kids by then, which was a big part of why mm -hmm. I wanted to shift to, I believe it was actually when I was pregnant with my third at 25, that I was like, I need to make a change in my career. I was kind of just working, you know, like office jobs that weren't going anywhere. 
and really went in deep. So I've always been a little bit ahead of the, like a little ahead of the curve and interested in the next thing. And I've been interested in this midlife transition since I was like in my late thirties. The funny thing is I really resisted the term midlife or middle-aged until Mm -hmm. I did the math and was like, well, wait a second. I'm 45 now. (laughs) Most of us aren't going to, I mean, averages like, you know, our life expectancy is in the low 80s now. So whether you like it or not, by the time you're in your 40s, you you are kind of are, yeah, you're there. You're in midlife. (laughs) You may not want to It's a mathematical fact. It's just a mathematical fact, I'm sorry to say. But I (laughs) actually have really embraced it and loved it. And I think both you and I have seen over what a weird time we both kind of got into media as a career. And so we've both had to ride out the past two plus decades of changes going from print to um, blogging to, you know, to digital. And then I started podcasting about 10 years ago. And that's been it's a whole nother ride. And then kind of social media rose up alongside that. It's just, it's been a lot. And um, many career Mm -hmm. pivots have occurred during that time, mostly just kind of keeping my eye on the just on the horizon of what's coming up in content. And I and just trying to stay. I don't like staying too closely in my lane. I want to swerve into other lanes a little bit, just kind of check out what's going on with that traffic. But I just keep trying to center (laughs) myself back on like, content's really my thing. What can I do that's within that realm that still keeps it fresh and relevant and all of that? And then personally, yeah, my kids, I now have five, are range in age from 13 to 25. And I got a divorce about five years ago. So there's been a lot of personal changes over the past five years, three of my kids have entered young adulthood and the other two are now both teenagers and I'm 45 and I'm like five years from an empty nest. And there's just a lot happening in this little moment of time for me. So it's an exciting time and a little overwhelming. Right. Well, I love how you mentioned that you have kind of this desire to check things out and stay current. I myself feel like I thrive on variety, but you also have the foundation of like, I create content. That is what I do. I want to come back to the fact that, and I didn't even say this in my introduction to you, that yes, you do have five children and now the youngest one is 14. So I have found my own life. My kids are now 12 and 14. So just kind of entering the teen world. And, you know, there's a huge difference between parenting younger kids and parenting Mm. older kids and even young adults. And you can kind of speak to that whole span. So what is it? What happens like, what are the opportunities as our kids get older and our realities as mothers shift for us to kind of change and evolve? There's so much. Actually, so my youngest is still 13. I'm still in my first year of being the mom to a teen girl because she's my only girl. But she'll be 14 this spring. And I, wow. (laughs) I think what's different (laughs) about now, because I've now had teenagers for 12 years. My oldest is 25. So this isn't really like having older kids isn't new to me. I think what is new is having all older kids and Mm. realizing that the things I know, like we're still kind of in the holiday season or just coming out of it as you're listening to this. And one of the things that I really had to kind of grapple with this year was realizing that the things that mattered to me to do for them because it seemed to matter to them, maybe don't matter to them as much anymore. And like, where does that leave me? Mm -hmm. You know, if the kids don't care as much about a live tree, or if the kids don't care as much about 
us going to do this specific event or their stockings or whatever the thing is, then all the joy I used to get out of nurturing or serving in that way. And I always have been someone who gets a lot of joy out of making other people happy. But if the thing you're doing actually isn't making anybody happy and you're just putting in effort, it starts to feel like you're just throwing it all down a black hole, which isn't a good feeling. And (laughs) I think that I didn't notice it as much with the olders because everybody was kind of getting in the spirit for the youngers. And this year just felt Mm. a little different. There was still plenty of holiday spirit in our house. But I just tried to start taking a step back from some of the things and just asking myself, like, what is the impact of this activity, this effort, this money I'm spending, whatever it is? Do the kids care? Do I care? Is this just more work? You know, like, what is happening? And Mm -hmm. that also becomes almost accelerated, like in a divorced family, because now it's like I have less time, less money, (laughs) you know, and I have to accommodate Mm -hmm. this other adult that I used to be married to somewhere in the equation. So yeah. there's a lot of juggling happening. And um, I think the holidays are like a, a microcosm of the rest of the year. They're like a very intensified example of like what momming can look like when it goes a little off the rails. And that's easy to do with older kids. Generally speaking, I think one of the opportunities, which is, you know, isn't it an opportunity always just a challenge flipped around? One of the opportunities... Yes is to learn how to distance myself from my adult kids' stories. Mm. I mean, I feel like we could have a whole series of episodes about, depending on your personality type, how hard it can be to distance yourself from the choices your kids are making, how much you might feel it reflects on you or makes you look a certain way to other parents, like the whole college thing. Mm. I mean, that just becomes a mess of, potentially conflicting emotions. But there's more to it than that, too. It's like if my kid is 23 years old and still pees on my toilet seat, like, is that because I didn't (laughs) raise him right? Or is that just something young guys do and they'll eventually grow out of it when maybe a significant other tells them it's time? I I don't know the answer to that. But I It's Mm -hmm. like there's all the evidence of all the things I thought I could train them out of or that they would outgrow or that my parenting would somehow like help them, I don't know, rise above or whatever. And you see that that isn't actually how it always happens and that sometimes they have to just struggle through it on their own and maybe some of it will never go away because we're all humans and we all have flaws. And that's just, it's like not taking on the flaws of five different human beings as my own flaws, I think is the, the opportunity. It's a growth opportunity, but it's also a big challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about like kind of what has happened just in terms of your own identity yeah. as someone who has been momming since your mid twenties, yeah. you know, and now you're 45 and your kids are getting older, but I have to take a quick break. So hold that thought. We're coming right back. Okay, welcome back. So Megan, I was talking to a friend of mine this summer. She has a kid who loves camp. My kids don't love camp. Her kid goes to camp like for a month every summer. And her kid is the same age as my older kid. And just like they're starting high school and just becoming more of a an autonomous and separate individual. And I saw her like 
after, shortly after her kid had gone to camp, like maybe a day or two. And I was like, how are you doing? She's like, if I'm not a mom, I don't know who to be. And at the time, I was like, I wish my kid would go to camp. What do you mean? Like, you can't have an identity crisis right now. Like, you are living my dream. But then I did actually get my kids to go to camp for a week at the end of the summer. And I all of a sudden understood what she meant. And can you just talk about like kind of how identity can shift as your kids get older and become their own autonomous beings with their own flaws that maybe you yeah. should or should not have parented them out of, but just like in terms of for ourselves, because <laughs> I identify with that too, please, 100%. Yeah. And I mean, I think that I know that when I had all younger kids, I was always looking forward to like, well, when they can just buckle themselves into their cart, you know, into their um, booster seats or whatever, (laughs) when they can, when they can just get their own shoes on without me having to help when they can just walk to school. I always felt like I had my eyes going forward to some moment of like independence Mm -hmm. that was going to make my job kind of almost obsolete. Like I was just going to let them grow me out of a job. And then you get to a point where you're like, well, wait, it turns out the job never really ends because it's not really a job. It's a relationship Mm -hmm. that comes with duties when they're little. And those duties are keep them from Mm -hmm. running in the street, make sure they eat food, all those things. And then as they get older, the duties become a little foggy and you aren't sure what they are sometimes, but the relationship is still there. And so like when Mm -hmm. it comes to, yeah, like that dream of a kid going off and like, you know, spending time away from you or whatever it is, like you still have things that have to happen when they get back. You still have things you're concerned about while they're gone. Like none of that ever goes away. And I think that's something I've learned. I'm not, that's not exactly answering your question, but I think what it did for me was go, oh, okay. So when am I, like, when am I done? When am I off? <laughs> like, And I'm mm-hmm. not an overparenter. I'm not someone who's like up in my kids' details. I don't have a life 360 on them. I'm like, I'm not like tracking them. I've been pretty hands-off in a lot of ways like that, but that doesn't mean that when I don't hear from my 18-year-old who's off at college right now and when he doesn't, sorry, 19-year-old, oh my gosh, he turned 19 away from me this year, so it's like it didn't happen. <laughs> so in my mind, he's still 18. <laughs> but when I don't hear from him right. for a few days, it's not like I'm worried about his well-being. I'm more just irritated that I'm not being like prioritized in the way that I mentally prioritize him. And I realize that's all about me. Like I've got to shift that. So when I'm looking at like my younger kids now, I'm essentially a chauffeur slash checkbook for them like 75% (laughs) of the time right now. They're not at the stage where they really want to hang out with me, which does open up time, but it's not like I thought it would be. I guess I thought by this point I'd be like sailing toward the finish line and that there would be a bright line between the mm-hmm. day I was still all in as a mom and the day that like I could go off on that month long European vacation or whatever without mm-hmm. looking back and worrying about what my kids are doing. And I just don't think it works that way. I think it's much more gradual. There are stops and starts. My older kids leave and come back. Like sometimes we're more interdependent. Like I got chickens this last spring and <laughs> my oldest son came back to live with me for a little while. And while he was here, he became the chicken tender is what I call him because he just really gets a kick out of the chickens. So now I kind of count on him to take care of the chickens. And if I want to go do something, it's like I have to check in with him and say, well, okay. And I think that's how it used to be throughout time, right? Families were interdependent. Your oldest kids might 
go off and do something, but often they would come back and help you run the family business. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not the way culturally we look at adulthood anymore. Now we look at it as something where the kids leave and they never come back. (laughs) They start their thing and that's success. I think for myself with five kids, it gives me lots of opportunities to reassess that assumption and say, well, what can successful relationship between an adult a parent and their adult kid look like? That was a really long-winded mm. way of not really answering your question, but I hope you got something out of that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Well, I mean, I definitely, it's helpful to know that there is no bright, no bright line, no like, um, yeah. Demilitarized zone or deparentalized zone. (laughs) Deparentalized zone, absolutely. Yeah. Because we have to manage our own expectations and then also figure out like, well, if that doesn't exist, then I don't need to wait to figure out what I'm going to do. I can start to figure out how I want to adapt and change on my own. Exactly. I only have like a couple minutes left, like two minutes, but just based on your own experiences and all the interviews that you've done on your podcast, Mother of Reinvention, what advice do you have out there for women who are either having their hand forced or simply feeling the call to evolve and just kind of change with the times and update their expectations? Like, what have you got for us? Yeah. Reinvention is tricky because sometimes reinvention is foisted upon us and sometimes it's something Mm -hmm. we go out and choose. And I think I would say be really gentle with yourself and allow things to unfold slowly because that's often how it happens. Like You might not even realize, I just did an episode about how um, after my divorce, really how it felt like I'd had this chessboard and then someone hit it from the bottom and like, the pieces flew mm-hmm. everywhere. And then I spent two and a half years on my knees crawling around picking up the pieces and then like reassembling <laughs> this dusty chessboard. Now, like half the pieces I'm sorry, I'm were laughing. gone. <laughs> <laughs> like there's cat hair stuck on a couple pieces. A few of them like rolled down the grate, the heat grate. They are never coming back. So I had to replace them with like Monopoly pieces. You know what I'm talking about though? Like I feel I should not be laughing at at you having your life upended, but it is a hilarious image. And I I think an accurate description of how it can feel. Yes. And while I was down there crawling around picking up pieces, it didn't feel like I was doing anything. It felt like I was going backward at times. And I remember saying, like, I used to have so much mojo. I used to do cool stuff. Like, I used to be kind of a badass. What happened? And I was crawling around picking up Mm -hmm. pieces, but then... Later, when I looked at the board I had reassembled, I thought, oh, well, all of that counted. Like, all of that crawling around was doing something. I just, at the time, like, it didn't seem to be creating forward motion. It was literally creating a new life for myself. And I think that sometimes how it feels, sometimes how it looks, sometimes it takes longer than we'd like. And I guess I would just leave for your listeners that piece of advice, like, just to recognize the process that's happening, even if it's not happening on any kind of visible timeline you will get there uh, at some point and you'll look back and say, okay, now I understand what this part of the process was for. Very cool. Megan, thanks for sharing your story and your funny images (laughs) and uh, your advice for people who are loving you and wanting to connect with you. Where do they find you? Best place to go is either to just look for my podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Mother of Reinvention with Megan Francis, or you can find me at MeganFrancis.com or on Instagram at Megan Francis. And that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N-F-R-A-N-C-I-S. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
How to Be a Better Person's theme song, Left for Deadish, is by Junior85. The episodes are mixed by Sound Advice Strategies. If you liked what you heard in this episode, share it with someone you think would like it too. Your voice matters. Also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past five episodes and a well-chosen meme to your inbox every weekend. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com or you can tweet me at Kate W. Hanley. Don't forget the W. Or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you. 